Hello, hello, hello. This is Tooth Be Toad. This is Dr. Waltz Raka. I have the pleasure of having Dara, Dr. Dara Patel. And I know I'm screwing up her name and she'll tell me how to pronounce it correctly, but she is a board certified pediatric dentist uh, in the Chicago area. When I was up there recently for uh, my perio meeting, she was the one who hooked me up with different locations to go eat and everything. So she definitely uh, took care of us up there uh, in Chicago. So I figured, hey, why not come bring her on here so she can talk about something that, I mean, literally she's an educator. She's somebody that's going to want to try to teach you as much as possible. And so what she's going to do is she's going to talk to us about trauma pediatric trauma basically if your kids bump and fall you i mean fall down and i mean kids fall down all the time so kids get hurt all the time so she's going to tell you how to basically take care of it and from from a dental point of view hopefully you dentists are learning something from her because you dentists need to do better and then patients need to basically listen to this so that you know what to do and what to ask whenever you go to a pediatric dentist or to a general dentist that's going to try to help uh, your kids because i have seen too many times where Later on, I'm the one taking the tooth out to put an implant later on because of something that happened when they were kids. So, Dr. Dara Patel, and please correct me. How do how do you actually say your first name? Um, Dara. Okay, see, that's an Indian name, so see, different pronunciation. That sounds way better than the way I'm saying. Yeah, but okay, please give us a little background uh, about yourself, please. Um, I am a pediatric dentist in Chicagoland area. I'm planning on opening up my own office soon in Elmhurst. Uh, I Born and raised in Chicago, uh, I'm the only dentist in my family, and then I have a few cousins, but uh, yeah, I'm first generation born and raised in America, and very privileged to be one of the first female educated dentists, so um, wow. yeah. Does that, does, that, does that put a little bit of pressure on you to be the first of anything? I mean, like I know me, like my parents were born in uh in, in Ghana and, and I was born in Ghana. And so when I came to the U.S., it wasn't any joke. Like literally, like you, you, I couldn't get anything below an A or B. You know what I mean? So was that the kind of pressure you got when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that there is. It's just like, I don't know. People say it's like an immigrant thing. Oh, I don't know what it is, but it's like one of those things that like in our culture, it's like my parents left their home country where they knew everything you know, to give us a better life in this country. And right. they worked, it lifted them out of poverty. It helped a lot. And so the, then they're just like, okay, we're going to give you everything that so we did get. <laughs> so don't screw it up. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this is me not screwing it up. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, so I want to, you know, I, I mean, we can talk about so many things that, you know, kind of was right or wrong about our childhood, you know, being immigrants and everything. But let's go and jump into why you're here you are the expert when it comes to children when it comes to pediatrics i'm still trying to figure out why you chose pediatrics you know you decided i'm going to work with kids but more power to you so so with that being said let's talk about what we're talking about right we're talking about kids and trauma so let's start with i have a kid two years old she bumps her her her, her mouth what's the first thing i should look for um, it's usually concussion, depending on how hard she hit it. If there is a chance of a concussion, you got to check that out. And that is before teeth and that's how it is. So okay. usually for concussion, there's like doctors go through multiple steps of like analyzing, but some of like the 
bigger ones to help you get an idea is usually nausea and vomiting, dizziness, blurred vision, sensitivity to light and noise. Um, that's usually, it's so hard because when it's a kid, you have to watch. They can't tell you what they're feeling. They don't have the words. So okay. you have to analyze the scene, like how hard did she or he hit it? Um, what was it on? And was there any loss of consciousness, you know? Okay. So we do look at that. But if it was just like a simple bump um, and the kid's fine, then you can look for lacerations usually or, brute, you know, um, abrasions like making any cuts and you know how big are they and if they're pretty big and you think they're going to need stitches then you're better off going to the er um depending on a dentist you don't really know if some dentists are comfortable suturing and you know the reason i like your podcast is i don't want dentists to feel uncomfortable saying they can't do something right because if you can't stitch a lip properly especially if it passes the vermilion border the kid ends up with a very deformed healed lip and okay. it's hard to correct all right well if let's, you don't know how to stitch properly don't do it well okay let's break that all down right so you started off by saying something that was very interesting you said the first thing you should look for is concussion right yeah a lot of people would think, why would a dentist look for a concussion? Just focus in the mouth. But so, yeah. so tell me why that's the first thing you want to look for. Because then you, they need to, it's, that's damage to the brain. Right. You know, there's, a, you know, and that can cause inflammation and other issues that then will put pressure on your brain and then damage to the brain there you go simple so, right it's yeah. simple you want to look for the most important thing which is the brain right did the kid yeah. bump his head did they are they okay right cool now we've gotten rid of the most important now we're into the you know to the mouth area you gotta look yeah. to see if you have any cuts right you have to look to see if you yeah. have any anything that's going to take a stitch right and you said vermilion border i want to kind of break that down oh, yeah. right and vermilion border is basically where your pink lip or you know where your lip and your your skin the the, the, the that combination that little border Right, your lip and your upper upper lip or lower lip, uh, where they meet, it's like a color change. That area is the vermilion border. Do you want to go in depth with that? Um, usually, so you just got if it. I would say if usually plastic surgeons mm -hmm. in ERs will end up doing things that involve that if the cut goes in that area because okay. they, they know how to do it precisely and the healing is so much better that you won't even see a scar if you do it well but if you go to a dentist that's never really been taught that or doesn't do it often the skills are not that great so just be aware of that so if there are any major cuts around you know outside the face including that area you may want to go to the er for something like that right and a so, lot of people don't realize that when it comes to those cuts you pretty much have to start from the inside out so you stitch the inside out so you stitch the muscle the fat you know mm -hmm. there are different layers so you got to stitch them all together before you get to the outside some people just take mm -hmm. one big chunk and that's what leads to scars and and, and yeah. other deformities that you mentioned yes exactly. that's awesome okay so now let's what i want to do is uh so we, we we made sure that you know they don't have any cuts or if they do have any cuts we fixed the cut Let's break it down. Let's talk about the most, uh, you know, outrageous or traumatic uh, issue with a tooth versus the least, right? So, well, no, let's go least versus the most, right? So let's talk about what could possibly happen with a tooth that's not that bad and then all the way to a tooth can come out, pop out of the socket, 
right? That's the worst case scenario. So let's break it down. Let's start with the the simplest first. And what? How do parents yeah. treat that? Um, something there's something called a concussion of a tooth, which is pretty much the same thing, where it's just been hit and you you know you got a little disruption, and that's super simple. You just leave it, monitor it. If it's hurting the kid, don't bite into anything. That's the most important thing about any of these, like injuries with this, the front teeth is any sort of healing. You can't put pressure on it. If you're going to put pressure, it's not going to heal properly. So the kid usually can't eat or, you know, eat anything with his front teeth or use a pacifier even or a straw, you know, because that puts pressure on the teeth. You don't want to do that for about um, two weeks. So, and physical activity, you know. Um, so then if we, from concussion, just, you know, I'm not going to, just if the tooth was like moved forward, backward or side to side okay. and it's out of the socket, mm-hmm. um, with baby, you treat baby teeth differently than you treat adult teeth. Okay. Um, Let's start with baby, baby teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So with baby teeth, you don't, you, um, you can re-put it back into its socket, snap it back, and then you'd have to. X-rays are very crucial in all of this with dentists, but you can snap it back. And But the thing is, is at home, you can't do anything. You have to go see a dentist. Um, if it's something that looks like the kid's going to swallow it, that's an issue. You know, you don't want your kid to choke on it. So if it's super loose, you need to get to a dentist pretty fast. If it's lightly loose, just you can usually leave it alone and you don't need to do anything. Um, you just need to go to see the, the doctor, the dentist as soon as possible. And then having it fractured is another um, thing that can happen. But the fracture is a break in the tooth. And a break in the tooth, depending on where the break is at, is good, can have good outcome versus bad outcome. Okay. Well, let's, let's, then, um, let's, let's stop right here because, again, you've given us a lot of pearls, right? Start off yeah. with, you mentioned how if, in, if let's just say someone bumped that tooth, right, and it, it hurts the child, um, but it didn't come out of the socket or it didn't, it's not too loose, right? Yeah. You said don't put pressure on it. Don't bite into anything. Don't bite it. If it, yeah. they use pacifiers, don't suck the pacifier. What could yeah. happen if they don't listen and they, you know, cause sometimes you're like, okay, well, suck on this, uh, uh, you know, lollipop or, or, you know, something to soothe the child. What could happen to that tooth later on? Um, it just won't heal. So usually, what you want out of the situation is for the tooth to be like it was before and, or maybe a little different position, but it's healed and it's solid in the bone. Okay. And if you don't allow it to rest and heal, um, then the tooth will remain loose. The bone around it won't strengthen. And then it's just going to never really reattach into the socket properly. And it probably will fall out or, an infection will happen or resorption, which means like a dissolving of the tooth um, from the outside in or inside out um, that the body does to itself. So So. how long, how long should they leave that tooth alone? Um, Usually two weeks. And you'll, your dentist should have intervals of, okay, that's one thing with trauma is seeing the dentist on a regular basis to evaluate the healing process is really important. So that ends up meaning a lot of days out of school. Um, and that's, you know, it can be an issue for some families, but it's really important to come back, you know, just if you break a leg, yeah, a tooth, but we kind of do need follow-up visits to make sure things are healing. And it's more important in adult teeth because those are your only teeth 
or with baby teeth, we're limited by a lot of things. We're limited by behavior with baby teeth. So if your kid is not extremely well behaved, we kind of are limited to what we can do because some treatment requires good, you know, kids to sit still for long periods of time. And if they're not cooperative, then we can't do those treatments. I can tell you that we can try, but then that may require the use of a papoose. And some families, you know, are okay with that. So your behavior, child's behavior really dictates sometimes the treatment we can do safely. Okay. Can you give us for adult, uh, well, kids that have a mixture of adult and baby teeth, but can you give us the intervals that you would recommend them going to see the dentist? Like, should they go once a week? Should they go like every two days until so, the two weeks are up? So it depends on the severity of the injury. The more severe it is, the more longer you're going to follow them and the more often you're going to follow them. Okay. If it's a concussion, honestly, one visit, take an x-ray, then if, if they don't call with any complaints, then um, then you can tell them to come at the six month. But like an Abel's tooth requires so many like visit after visit, then seeing the specialist for endodontic treatment, it's a way an avulsion is a complete where the tooth completely comes out. It's intact, but it comes out completely. And if you, if that happens, that it's just a more, it's like oh, the only true dental emergency that someone can have because time is of the essence for a tooth that completely comes out. And so that tooth in general requires so much more TLC with its follow-up. So everyone's different. We, we got board, our board training, we do an oral exam and we have to know all the intervals for each of the different types of injuries. Dental injuries isn't like, okay, it's a broken one. It's, you know, came out of its socket. It, there's so many different types of dental tooth and bone related injuries. And we needed to know how to treat them and how often we need to see them. So for our oral board, they would quiz us on that orally to know exactly and so nowadays we have, we can look back at our literature online, you know, if we forget something, but right. it, it's very, it's not cutthroat really easy when it comes to dental trauma. And okay. Like well, then that brings me to my question. Do you think that, uh, general dentists, um, are, are capable of taking care of dental traumas successfully or should patients really go out of their way to look for a pediatric dentist? Okay. And you can be, you can, listen, you can be biased. You can, <laughs> I don't care. This, I, is, yeah, this yeah. is tooth be told. I want you to be completely honest with us. If not, I just won't put this podcast up and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So when I was in dental school, I actually had in dental school where you're tr being trained to be a general dentist. Right. I had a dental emergency that came in that was a trauma on a 10 year old girl. The process and what my General dentist instructor taught me is was not a hundred percent with the guidelines, like what what you're supposed to do. I see. So then, when I went to residency, I learned the real proper way to do do it, and noticed that there was a difference. So it can depend on your training, but generally, because it's mandatory part of pediatric dentist learning mandatory and we see it all the time because right. those are the two things that make you make things stay in your brain right it's like we see it all the time yeah. like i would never do endodontics or third molar extractions because i just don't do that all the time right so repetition so, is key 
Yeah. So pediatric dentists have the ability to do so. So like have that knowledge and have that um, repeated exposure Whereas other things they, you know, general dentists, if they don't see kids often and this doesn't happen to their patients, then they are not, they are, they may not remember the full guidelines. And there have been changes in some of the guidelines and nuances to each different type of trauma, which is something I had to learn for board. Got you. Okay. Um, what what I'm right. going to do, what I'm going to do, because this is like a 30 minute podcast and, and honestly, okay. I don't think we want to go through uh, pediatric residency because again, no one really yeah. wants to do pediatric except for you crazies. Um, but yeah. you know, uh, one thing I want to do is I want to break trauma into five different phases, five different areas. Okay. If you don't mind, okay. okay. I'm simplifying this. I know I am. You can yell at me later. I'm okay with that. Oh, okay. I don't care. I just, <laughs> so, I so don't. let's look at the tooth, right? The tooth has an enamel, the dentin, and the pulp, right? Okay. Three areas. Okay. And then we have the tooth going in and the tooth popping out. Okay. okay. So those are the five. What would happen? What, and how do we take care of a tooth that just broke the enamel? What do we do when the tooth broke into the dentin? And what do we do when the pulp, when the um, tooth broke and it went into the nerve or the pulp, right? Then okay. what do we do when the tooth gets punched in? And then what do we do when the tooth pops out? So let's start with the do simplest you one. Want, okay, so do you want primary or permanent teeth? Oh, God, God see, this is exactly what see, I See, this is why. I'm like, it's different in some senses. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's start with uh, primary, and then we'll go to permanent to kind of break it down and kind of do that age transition. Can we do that? Yeah, that's fine. And we'll simplify it as best as we possibly can. So we'll start with yeah. baby teeth, okay? Let's talk about okay. baby teeth. What happens when it just chips? Like my daughter, for example. I, I keep using my daughter because this has happened. She chipped uh, a little bit on her teeth. I, I forgot how old she was. She might have been like less than one. She was crawling around. She chipped a little bit of tooth. My, my wife went crazy. But I was like, ah, it's not a big deal. Okay. It wasn't anything yeah. traumatic. I don't even know how she did it. But it, it happened. We noticed later on. Okay. So, again, chipped the, the, the baby tooth. We chipped the enamel, the part that you can see. What do you do? Okay, so for baby tooth chip, if it's a small chip, then you can usually leave it. And especially because the kid's really young, we can't really do much when they're young. Um, and if it's still sensitive, sometimes we just leave it. You don't want to disrupt it by taking a drill and smoothing it out. Um, and they're not going to sit still for a filling or anything on it. And so age is dependent. Um, the one thing is, is this is something that I learned that I was like, wow, that's important. So you got to know where that chip went. If that, if the kid has a, a cut on its, on its lip and the piece got embedded into the lip and you don't check, then it can cause an infection. And so what they taught us to do is take an x-ray of the lip to see if there's any fragments. And if there is, you have to go and retrieve it and then suture everything up. Beautiful. If you can. Beautiful. I see. So, I love that. I love that. That's a pearl. I, want, I wish I could make like noises. Bing! That's a pearl. That's a pearl right there. <laughs> right? For the dentist yeah, and, yeah. The, and, the, and the students and the residents listening, the first thing you got to do is when you see these patients, take an x-ray of more than just a tooth. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. no. And and that's something I learned in residency. So, And it was – I now when I bring it up to like my staff, they're all like, wow, that's important. So – um, but yeah, you can usually smooth it out. Sometimes some families don't – like it because of aesthetic, but you can't do much when they're young with because of corroboration. 
generation. Right. I mean, they're not going into modeling anytime soon. But, yeah. okay, so then now let's talk about when they go into the dentin. And the dentin is where, you know, it's a separation between the nerve inside the tooth and uh, the part that you see. And that area can sometimes lead to sensitivity. And, and so you're going to tell us what do you do in a kid that the chip has gone into the dentin? For the for a baby tooth, it's pretty. If it's not causing any sensitivity that you are noticeable, like the kid is holding, it, that's the other thing with kids. They can't tell you what they're feeling. So if they're holding their hand in front of their face, anytime you blow air, they're really sensitive. That means it's sensitive. So you got to do something. So sometimes we'll just put like material over to cover that exposed dentin so that there's no sensitivity. You can't get in a nice filling. If you can try to make it look nice while you're doing it, great. But otherwise, you just leave that. And hopefully that helps with the sensitivity. Beautiful. So now we're into the pulp. We're into the nerve. And, you know, sometimes you'll be able to see some bleeding coming out of the tooth. So how do we take care of that one? Yeah. So I just had a patient like that this week. Um, Repetition. Repetition. Yeah. So (laughs) he had the pulp exposed. You could see like a pinpoint of pink. Um, usually there's a special medication you can put over it. Um, and, um, I use Theracal for those that are dentists that are listening. Um, but again, if the kid is not, and you have to then cover that up with something, um, and if, but if it's a little bit bigger than a pinpoint exposure, uh, then you have to do, you have to remove, um, the affected nerve tissue and then get to healthy tissue, and then you can close it up. But for a young kid to sit through that process, that usually is rare that you can do it. So like this kid this week, I had to tell the parents, like the option was to papoose the child or sedate him versus just removing the tooth in a quick, you know, procedure. And they chose to just remove the tooth because, you know, it just, the chances of, and he was very poorly behaved. When I say, you know, we had to use the papoose, which is a um, Velcro restraints to do dental treatment safely um, sometimes. And especially in an emergency situation, you don't really have a choice. Gotcha. So they really wanted to sedate him. But I'm like, well, you don't really, we don't, we don't have that option in our clinic. Okay. And he ate that day. So. Well, here's a question for you then. So let's just say that that low pink is there. You said the low pink is exposed. What was the material that you put over that? I use Theracal. It's a calcium silicate, I think. It's okay. like MTA. What does it do? Um, so it, it's pretty much what MTA does with, uh, building like dentin bridges. Okay. Um, I have a paper on it, but yeah. regardless, it's, it's it's a great product because it can not only be used for direct pull caps, but also indirect pull caps, which things like a glass ion or liner, mm-hmm. like Vitrobond or Limelight, you can't put that directly on top of a ner- on top of nerve because it it's acidic and it irritates it. Okay. So so, so um, let me let me try to break it down a little bit. Well, hopefully, I, I do a good job of this. But so basically, you have a little pink. There's nerves in that pulp chamber, right? And so what we're yeah. trying to do is we're basically trying to create something that will close that 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 little pinhole that will close yeah. that connection between the outside world and the nerve. And that this material should hopefully kind of make that connection and close that connection off. You see, yeah. without irritating the nerve underneath. Yeah. Did I do an okay job? 
Yeah, no, that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, so what is the success rate or uh, how likely is that to, to survive when we get pulp exposure and we have to go through taking the bad nerve out? So two, it depends on two things, how big the exposure is, bigger exposure, less likely, and also how immature the tooth is. If the tooth is immature, it's not very developed, then there's a lot of blood flow into the tooth, so it heals better. Okay. If if it's a mature tooth, that means the roots have pretty much closed and the blood flow is a little bit more limited and thus um healing power is not as not as good. Okay. Okay. And then uh, also how much they like hit it. Okay. So is there any time limitations? For example, like if uh this happened at one PM, right? And they see you at five PM does that also mess with uh, how successful this tooth is going to be? There's so many factors in that. But okay. I would say uh, a little bit, yeah. I've had patients come a few days later okay, and had success. Oh. But um, I did, the kid was well-behaved. I was able to, you know, if there's a big exposure, then you go, you remove the exposed portion that's unhealthy of the tooth, the exposed nerve tissue that's unhealthy down to a place that is healthy. Got you. If you can never reach healthy tooth structure, then you're probably, that's a poor prognosis. And the tooth that would have to come uh, out. Yeah. Okay. And then be dead and you can continue it, but it, you can do a, um, like a full baby root canal is what we call it gotcha. into the root even, but that the, the prognosis of that generally is just not good. So okay. how how well it's going to do is not good. Okay. Not well, let's talk about a baby tooth that got punched in. Okay. And then the baby tooth that got t- that got punched out or or popped out of the socket. Let's talk about the punched in one and what do we do in that situation? So punched in is usually if it's not, uh, it's not. So when it gets pushed in, there's a in a baby tooth. There's an adult tooth that in the gum tissue forming in the bone and the gum tissue. And so if it gets pushed in into that tooth, it can impinge on the development of that permanent tooth. So then you may want to do something, consider extracting it. So it's not impinging on the growth. Um, and you have to, this is a pearl maybe for you is I learned before there were cone beam CTs and people could look into this. Um, you know, we took a, a extra oral extra oral x-ray on the side of the face aim the um, cone from the other side so you're getting the profile of the kid yeah and like, you could see sometimes yeah the impingement like if how close the root of the baby tooth is to the adult tooth okay um, so it's kind of like whenever they yeah it's kind of <laughs> like whenever they go get um braces they have to take that side profile yeah, the staff. Yeah, pretty much. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so what do you? So most of the time, when it gets pushed in, you're worried about the adult tooth that's kind of forming right above or below it, right? Uh, yeah. And most of the time, are we taking that tooth out, or do we just allow it to come back into place, or what do we do? So usually, it's about seven. If it's intruded, like seven millimeters, um, sometimes they'll ask you to remove it. 
especially if it's pinging on the adult tooth, they're, they're, they will say completely remove the tooth because they don't want you to impinge on the adult tooth growing. Okay. And then, but usually most of the time you can ask it to spontaneously erupt on its own. Just have it try, usually, and it does. It's so surprising. Sometimes I'll see teeth that are really, really pushed up into the bone and, you know, a month later you can see part of it and it's slowly coming. And thus, that means you have to follow that patient until it's in a good place, you know. Gotcha. Um, maybe it won't completely um, erupt. But if you don't notice a change, you know, then you can decide to extract it later. You know, the one thing about extraction is permanent. So if you want to wait and see and then explain things to the parents of like, let's just see if it erupts on its own. Okay. So I've heard some crazy stories that things do erupt randomly. Okay. So there's like, times where it can just come back into position. Yeah. A lot of the time, even if it's, if it's a short distance, a lot of time it does. But if it's a really, really push, tooth pushed up there, um, it's really questionable. Okay. So then in that situation, we just got to take that tooth out to try yeah. to save the permanent one. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Got you. Okay. So now we're going to go to when it pops out. If a tooth, a baby tooth pops out, what do we do in that situation? You leave it. You don't put it back in. You don't put it back in? Nope. Okay. So that, that was actually very surprising to me. So you do not push it back in. Why? Because it's not, it's, it, there, the chances of, you know, bacteria after the tooth has been out and usually what you want to do is reimplant the tooth back in for a permanent tooth but you're reintroducing bacteria and a lot of other things like when we talk about adult teeth we'll talk about like tetanus you got to worry about tetanus boosters if you're reimplanting a tooth because you can have issues um with that if you have you know after reimplanting a tooth so the bacteria and like the reason to keep a baby tooth, especially in the front, it's just the prognosis isn't that great. The healing isn't. You're putting the kid at risk of like developing infection. It's not worth it for so, the risk. So just take it out and keep it out. If yeah. it pops out, just keep it out. Yeah. All right, cool. So that was very simple. All right, well, let's uh, go, no, go ahead. One thing I did say, I forgot, is if a kid hits a tooth at all, if it ends up fracturing, whatever, yeah, there's a big chance that it will discolor. It will discolor gray. Sometimes they'll color discolor yellow, back to white. And it can happen in the lifespan until the tooth falls out. And that is the most common thing that most families don't end up liking is this gray tooth that's in front of, you know, in the front. Yeah. But we don't have to do anything about that as dentists. We can leave it to be gray. The only time we would remove it is if there's any pain or there's a sign of an infection. Okay. Um, All right. So, if it's gray or yellow, sometimes it goes back. It's great, um, but just be aware discoloration is the big. And, and um, another thing for intrusions, if it gets pushed up, sometimes the adult tooth will have a little mark on it or an indentation because it got hit in the process. Of developing. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so so this is something that some people might do. You know what? My kid has this gray tooth, so can you go ahead and whiten that one for me? What would you do? I we I just tell them it's not possible. Good. Um, okay. I mean, I've had people say they don't like it, but I explain it's because the, your your son or daughter hit their tooth, and that's just how it is. And sometimes they'll go back to white. It does. I've seen teeth spontaneously go back to white. There you go. So I'm like, let's just cross our fingers and hope that it goes back. 
to the original color. But the only way to do that is like internal bleaching, which you would never do on um, something like that. Or like if you put a crown over the tube, like a, a strip crown. Okay. Oh, so, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a kid through that process or, you know, through treatment for aesthetic. For vanity. Got you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about adult teeth now. Okay. So this one is going to be a little more complex. I know that. Uh, so let's start, let's start off the same way we started with, with baby teeth, right? Uh, you chipped yeah. it and it's in the, uh, the enamel. So I will say this is, you know, if it's not causing any major issues, um, you can either try to smooth it out. You can try to fix it, but with kids and in general, dentists like to let patients know with the anterior fillings, you got to be careful with the, how you treat them. You can't bite into things, you know, you got to be careful. And with a lot of kids, they don't take care of it. So I ask the families a lot of the time, you know, is this something your kid will take care of if I fix it? Even because especially ones that are small in the enamel retention for those, you know, isn't the best. So, um, and kids will chew on pens and pencils and chip it off all the time. So I've had to redo multiple. So I kind of have that conversation. And um, it's one of those things that as dentists, it's hard when kids keep chipping fillings on and off. How many times can you redo it right. and not charge for it, right. you know, because right. they've already paid for it. So you got to set expectations. Gotcha. That's really important in general in trauma is setting expectations of all the different outcomes. And that's, you know, something like this. And I will be honest, boys in general, when they're kids, they don't care. The whole tooth <laughs> could be chipped and they don't care. But, and this, I'm generalizing massively. Right. I, I don't mean to, but with girls, like they do care a lot more sometimes and they want it to get fixed. Mind you, I've had high schoolers that are going to homecoming that are boys that are like, I don't want this tooth like this for right. homecoming. Right. So sometimes you got to be aware of like life, you know, events that are happening. And if you, if they want it fixed, then you fix it. And that same goes for like a tooth that's chipped in the dentin, which is the second layer of the tooth, depending on how big it is. And because it might be sensitive, it probably will be more sensitive because there it's exposed um, and it has pores that will make it sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, you want to cover that up. And you don't really do pulp testing, which is like testing the tooth temperature changes, like colds and tapping on the tooth right away with teeth like that because it's not going to give you a stable reading because it's very, and you know, it's traumatized. The tooth is hurting right now. And if you put colds on it, it's going to hurt you need those tests to help understand where the tooth is going, but the first day is not really helpful. And so the, wait a let's, let's go back to that real quick. So you're telling me that whenever this trauma happens, that day happened, right? And it's yeah. into the dentin, you know, you see some of the yellow. Um, what you're telling me is doing a pulp test, basically looking to see if the tooth is alive or not, is going to give you a false reading. In that moment, responding or not responding, and that's probably the most it could give you, but it will tell you nothing about what's going to happen future okay well so because I, i've seen a lot of dentists do root canals uh right at you know hey patient came in they they traumatized their tooth and they're doing a root canal that same day is that something that you'd wait on and see so how this tooth reacts later on permanent teeth are different in children for one main reason immature teeth versus mature teeth immature teeth 
is when the root of the tooth, which is in the bone, has not fully formed and it's open. Okay. In those teeth where it's not fully formed and it's open, there's a lot of blood flow into the tooth still. Okay. That ability to have that much blood flow in the tooth increases your chance of it healing properly. Okay. You can even use, so the other thing is, let's say they traumatize it and it's not responding to cold. You can also do revascularization in those teeth. And I would send that to an endodontist then. Okay. Well, so he- I wouldn't go in and do a root canal. Revascularization is re- pretty much bringing the tooth back to life after it died. Got you. So I mean, yeah. in that so situation. That's the difference. Yeah. In that situation, would you actually do a root canal at all at that time? Would you wait or would you send it to an endodontist? Is it, are you, is this for an immature tooth? It's for an immature tooth. I would wait. You would wait. So then a mature tooth, the, 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 you know, the root is, has closed up, right? Yeah. That day when you test it, would you actually send it or do a root canal that day based on the, the results that you got from that test? Or would you wait a few days and then test that tooth properly? I've never come across that okay. scenario ever. So I don't want to give an answer because I'm thinking, in my understanding of endodontic, yeah. and if you're getting a necrotic, you can't revascularize. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and you're not just doing, you're doing a cold test, you're doing percussion, palpation, you're doing a lot. I take x rays, right. everything. I mean, usually you have a good diagnosis after two tests. Gotcha. So doing cold and EPT, and they both give you the same result, mm-hmm. then. I would say it might be okay, but I will also say if they just hit their tooth that day, right? The patient's in pain, and they may not want. They may be hard to get numb. They may not want to do a root canal that day. Right. I, I there's no need to to move so fast. I agree. Unless an endodontist is going to tell me that I'm missing some point of like I don't know. No, no, I, I agree. I, I honestly think that that day of trauma, I think the key is to try to stabilize and figure out yeah. what we can do later on. You know, I don't think yeah. you should jump to endo unless you definitely know, you know, like, hey, this tooth needs to have a root canal done immediately so we can resolve the problem or, you know, it's in the pulp. So we'll jump to the pulp one. That's a good transition. I'm very proud of myself for that one. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the pulp. How uh, how do we treat a, a mature um, permanent tooth that has broken down into the pulp or the nerve. A mature and immature. Mature. Mature. Mm-hmm. And it, they just came in that day. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would probably, we do partial pulpotomies. They're called shrek, shrek and immature teeth from what I remember. Okay. Um, and just remove until you get to vital pulp tissue. So when you get to good nerve tissue, then you can, um, you can usually use calcium hydroxide, MTA. I've used MTA usually. Right, right. I mean, so you could even, I mean, you could even kind of stabilize them and even send to the endodontist, from what yeah. I know, right? Um, yeah. What about if the tooth has been pushed in? Permanent tooth. The so permanent teeth pushed in is a little bit more complicated in the sense of if it's pushed in too much, then you may want to orthodontically extrude it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see if it erupts on its own, like we talked about. And I right. think you usually see if it erupts on its own. If it's not, then you can endodontic or you can orthodontically extrude it. Okay. 
Okay, and then let's just say a tooth pops out because this is the one that happens a lot. And I remember when we were growing up, you know, they would say, oh, put it in milk or, or put it in this and put it in that. So this is the time for you to t- teach us exactly what we do. You're playing baseball or football or something. They weren't ma- wearing a mouth guard and they got hit and the tooth pops out. What do we do? First thing we should do. Um, so if they're not at the dentist's office and they call you wherever they are, they can actually rinse it off for like 10 seconds. Um, with what with what just regular water yeah with just running water and if they feel comfortable sticking it back into the socket they have to know you know how to place it and the one good thing about nowadays is you can tell them to place it and then you take a tell them to take a picture and send it to you right away to make sure it was placed properly right um i've had i've heard of dentists where the patient comes after it being reimplanted and they did it backwards right right They just restored the tooth to make it look like, um, like it's to look aesthetically okay. Yeah, and, but, and, and don't forget, just, you can always Facetime people now. I mean, you can do so yeah, many yeah. different things, Skype somebody. You know, there's so many yeah. different things. But okay, so you rinse it off for ten seconds, and then you can put it back in there. What? Yeah, ha- what and then you that? they have to bite on something so that it doesn't move, so it's okay. stable, and then they come in. So what happened to that uh, mixture? They used to always talk about, oh, put yeah. it in this solution. What, 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 yeah, Hank's Hank's balanced, um, Hank's balanced storage medium. Um, people also say saline's okay. I, if you really, so you have milk as an option. The um, Hank's solution that's the best, but not you're not going to find out that doesn't just exist everywhere. It, it, I don't know of any place that has it, honestly. Um, only in dental, in dental offices. Right. And then you can put milk. And then if you're not anywhere near milk, you can have your kids spit into a cup and then soak it in saliva. There Some people say you can put it in their mouth, like pocket it. But if they swallow it by accident, <laughs> you're kind of Yeah, you're done. So, yeah. You're done. So it's better to spit in a cup and put it, put it inside um, inside that. Got you. Okay. So so they spit it in a cup. But no water. No water. No water. No, no, no soak water it in at water. all. Okay. What would happen? With water? Yeah. The most important thing about healing of like teeth that have just come out is the on the root, there's a bunch of cells. And those cells are very important to healing. And if you put it in water, those cells will die. They won't really survive. And so you the mo- the reason why milk and Hank's balance that Hank's solution and saliva are good things is because it helps preserve those cells on the outside layer, which is like the periodontal ligament. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. See, and notice how I just convinced you to basically talk about perio. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> you know, so so they come into your office, right? They have the solution. They, they, they spit in a cup and they have the tooth. What's the first thing you do? Is this... Um, Immature. Oh, mature. Tooth. We're still talking about mature tooth. Mature tooth. We're talking okay. about we're talking about a you know a permanent tooth. Uh, let's just say it's immature. Let's just say it's immature first. Okay. Did they and they reimplanted it in the mouth? Nope. It, it, it was in a cup. You told them to put it. It's in, in, a, put cup? It in a cup. That's right. And they they spit in there and everything. So they, you 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 get to put it back. Okay. In. So yeah, then it depends if they got there in like less than sixty minutes, which the sixty minutes is the. Like that cutoff time. Okay. Then um, you can you take it out of the saliva, and then you yourself should have it in the. You should have Hank Balance solution in your own office. Right. Um, or you can. They said the next best thing if you don't have that is milk. Okay. And then 
after that, you can um, put it back into the mouth yourself as a, if the dentist can take pictures, make sure everything looks good. And then you'll put a splint. So the splint is, um, is like pretty much like brackets on your front teeth that right. help. Like when you get braces. Like when you get braces. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically the key is to put it back in, make sure there's no issues. Do we have to take any uh, x-rays of the lip or anything at that time or no? No, as long as all the pieces are accounted for. You just have to make sure you take an x-ray of the actual tooth re-implanted in. Gotcha. Um, and then that usually that splint stays on for about two weeks. And then you can, this is when the tetanus thing is important, making sure the patient is, has got their tetanus booster. And, um, if not, then they have to get one within 48 hours. Got you. From the accident. Yes. Got you. So, so the critical times are one hour. That's the fastest or that's the time you should probably get in to have a dentist look at you. Um, yeah. and then 48 hours, you should probably get a tetanus booster or something. Yeah. Sort. If you, if you, you're, if you're not, um, Caught up, up to date with yours. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I, one thing about trauma is a lot of parents freak out, right? They, 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 oh, they yeah. freak out. So what's one thing, I mean, you know, you talk about Hank's solution and all that stuff, but what is one thing that maybe most parents should have, uh, when their kids are playing some kind of sport? Cause this is the time where mo- these traumas happen. Do they normally happen when kids are playing sports or when they're at home? When do you kind of see most of these traumas happening? Um, sports usually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the, having a mouth guard, just prevention is the most important thing. So baby proofing when your kid's young. Right. And then having a mouth guard and then, you know, for sports. Um, and in and not the one sport that I say, so there's certain sports that require it, certain sports that it's recommended, but not required. Right. The ones that are required you don't really see as many injuries it's the ones that it's not required which is always soccer and baseball <laughs> and i love uh, soccer i mean that's i grew up I in know. soccer but you need to communicate during soccer and that's why they don't like right right, right so but it is my some of my worst dental injuries you know it's funny actually personally um when i was a little kid i was about six years old uh, and got my cousins and i were playing soccer Right. And, our, and, and in Ghana, you just play wherever you can, you know, and it was concrete and I was, you know, I was killing it. I was, I was, it was amazing. And, and so what happened was my cousin tripped me and I fell and I hit my front tooth on concrete. Okay. So I had that chip that you were talking about. I didn't, it didn't bother yeah. me at all until I got to like middle school. That's when I yeah. really needed it. <laughs> right. That's when I really needed it uh, fixed. You know what I mean? And, and so. I mean, that's what led me to dentistry and everything like that. But you're absolutely correct. Then, you know, soccer, I, I will attest to it, is probably when you will get hit by a soccer ball or someone's elbows, elbows someone's, <laughs> someone's knees, whatever, right? Exactly. So so I always tell parents, like, listen, I know, you you know, it's not cool to wear a mouth guard during soccer. I get it, all right? Because you know, everybody wants to be, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo or whatever, but to help them when they're growing up, I promise you, put the mouth guard in there. You can go to a dentist and have them make a mouth guard that has designs on there and everything. You know, uh, that, that's just speaking from experience. Yeah. So I will say, yeah. if you, if you feel like you can prevent everything, you can't. And I have a lot of parents that come in with guilt, like, oh my god, and I should have gotten them to wear a mouth guard, or I should have not let them, um, you know, 
ride that razor scooter or whatever. And it's like, you just can't prevent everything, but when you can, you should do it like wearing a helmet or baby clipping the house or, um, putting the seatbelt on in your strollers. Like that's a huge thing. They hit a bump and then the stroller goes forward. And so does the kid and it's, he's not buckled in, you know? So when you can prevent it, try to, but stuff happens and it's okay. They're just teeth at the end of the day. And we will do our best to help you out to fix the issue and manage your expectations. But I mean, all right, cool. Not the end. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Patel, this has been awesome. Uh, can you give um, our listeners your, your information? I mean, I'm talking about, you know, social media information, your email, whatever, however they can reach you, your practice name, whatever it may be. Uh, so I am opening up a practice in Elmhurst, Illinois. Right. It's, going to be called blooming smiles pediatric dentistry um it'll probably be open in the summer still trying to figure out location and it's a process to open up an office let me tell you I know, but um I, know. I do have um my instagram and my facebook uh i'm i go by dara b patel with my middle initial you can find me on linkedin uh that's probably better okay uh but yeah, I don't. I was like, I don't know what I can give, <laughs> right. give openly that people care enough to look it up. But, yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's, you know, any questions, uh, they can reach out to you uh, to ask more questions about. Oh, they can ask. You can, I could give my email. So yeah, my first go. name. So, yeah, my Dara B. Patel DDS at Gmail, which is um, D-H-A-R-A and then B as in boy, P-A-T-E-L. DDS at gmail.com. Perfect. So if anybody needs to get a hold of Dr. Patel, just absolutely uh, email her. She's awesome. She will definitely get back to you. Uh, you know, I thank you so much for coming on here because I think this is something that a lot of parents are going to get excited about. Well, why? I mean, I know I'm excited because I've learned a little bit, you know, some pearls and, and basically way to say, you know what, things do happen with kids, especially, but at least we know how to handle it and not panic. You know, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way. You know, so, uh, Dr. Patel, I really appreciate your time and, uh, hopefully, you know, you can come back on for some other pediatric stuff and just let us know how your practice is going and, you know, anything we can do to help in any way, just let us know. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.